Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Everybody, welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got Ben Malcolmson with me today. He is the author of the book Walk On. Lots of different, he's done a lot of different things, but we just are really excited to have you on the show. So thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Bailey. It's great to be with you. Yeah. Well, if you wouldn't mind, kind of give us some context to, to you and your background and where you grew up. Yeah, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, uh, and went to school at USC out in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, just grew up uh, trying to find my way through life and, and uh, was fortunate enough to land myself at USC um, and really uh, amazing things happened from there. So it was really exciting. Yeah. How did you wind up at USC? Yeah, I, it's uh, crazy. I did a program. Uh, I got a letter my junior year of high school saying that, that they take uh a certain number of kids every year to skip their senior year and basically go to college year early and came with a scholarship. So I applied just kind of leap of faith, like, Oh, maybe it'd be pretty sweet to go to school in California and get a scholarship to do it. So um thought I had no chance of getting in. And when I found out I got in, I was like, I can't pass this up. This is golden opportunity. Let's go. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, when you got there, you, you know, in your book, you talked about how you got into journalism. How did you kind of decipher what to do and what to get into? And how did you wind up in journalism? Yeah, well, I mean, I changed my major four times my freshman year. You know, it was, it was a challenge. I, I was a lost 18-year-old uh, at the time trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, like a lot of freshmen are. So yeah, That's everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we're all still trying to figure out what we want to do with our life, too. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I... I realized that I really liked watching ESPN and figured why not try to be a journalist myself. Um, I, I liked reading the newspaper and reading Sports Illustrated and I could be a sports journalist, stay close to sports. Um, and that was a, a good way of doing it because I wasn't good enough to keep playing. So I figured why not try sports journalism? Yeah. And did you grow up playing sports, obviously? Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up as a kid playing everything, but then uh, once I got to high school, I focused on running. So I was a track and cross country runner. Yeah. And you battled some, some adversity in high school, didn't you? Um, just an injury and having to work yeah. through that. Yeah. Um, I, I had stress fractures in my hip as a high school runner. Uh, I just kind of overextended myself and did too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was part of the process of getting me to go to college early because, um, running got taken away from me for a season there and it kind of opened my eyes up to that. There was more to more to life than just high school sports. Yeah, absolutely. And you got into journalism. So you're working at USC, kind of working. Uh, is it the student paper? Was that what you're working for? Yeah, the, the student's paper, the Daily Trojan. Uh, okay. I got first assigned to cover women's volleyball. Didn't know much about it. So when the editor called a couple of weeks later, said, hey, you want to cover the football team instead? I, I couldn't couldn't jump at that fast enough because I actually knew what football was and how to how to watch it and how to write about it and everything. So um, it was a great opportunity to, to go cover the football team. And that was mid 2000s. So it was USC's glory years. Um, they had three straight years of winning almost every game. Uh, Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, just kind of legendary time in college football. So I was fortunate to, to be around that, um, getting to write about it for my job in college. It was, it was an incredible experience. Yeah. And you were able to kind of integrate, um, kind of being around the team a little bit, obviously 
being around Coach Carroll and talk about how that all kind of transpired just within the journalism side first and then how it transpired into you actually walking on the team. Yeah, so, I mean, I had covered the team for three years, uh, every home and away game, practices during the week, press conferences, everything, and was just, I, I was familiar with the program, familiar with the coaches, and um, I was gearing up to graduate spring of my senior year and needed to write my last article about the football team and saw that there were walk-on tryouts coming up for the for the team and figured, why don't I write about these guys who are going through the tryout, first-person perspective, really bring people on the inside. And um, no one writes articles about walk-ons, you know, the end of the bench guys, you know, they're they're not on the cover, cover of Sports Illustrated, they're not on SportsCenter. So mm-hmm. um, I should write an article about these guys, really just show some appreciation for these guys that don't get much ink. Yeah. And uh, through the process of interviewing these guys, um, interviewing the guys that are going to go through this tryout, I was like, well, I'll take it a step further and, and kind of make a joke out of it and, and go through the tryout myself because, I mean, it's going to be funny. I, I Here I am, the student newspaper reporter, trying out for the number one team in the country, and it was uh, it would just be a total joke. You know, I hadn't played football since I was in fifth grade. Um, I was a runner in high school. I was 160 pounds, 165 pounds, senior year of college. So it was going to be a total joke and uh, went through the tryout and uh, got my butt kicked, but got a lot of good material for this story and went home that night, started writing the story. And I was so excited because, I mean, it had just gone through a, the tryout for the number one team in the country. This was the, the coolest experience of a life of a lifetime. So I uh, wrote, wrote my story that night, woke up the next morning to a phone call saying I made the team. And it was the most shocking phone call ever because it never crossed my mind that that was even a possibility. You know, there, there was no chance, you know, like sure. this was the best team in the country. I hadn't played football in 10 years. I was going through the tryout just to write an article. There was no intent of actually like, Oh, what if I actually make the team? It just never crossed my mind. Yeah. So there I was all of a sudden going, I went from a student newspaper reporter to a wide receiver, just like that. And uh, my life took a total turn from that moment on. Yeah. That's a typical route for a lot of the USC players too. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I went the, the normal route of a wide receiver in college. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't a joke. It was actually, it was, it was an awesome experience for you. You got to be around the guys on a different level than you had before, but also going back a little bit into your story, you know, when you're covering the team, I think there were situations where you had kind of just had gotten to know, or at least put yourself out there in front of coach Carroll so those were things that kind of led up to before actually doing it. So you were somewhat of a familiar face a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, I had done a, an article where it was like a day in the life of Pete Carroll. So I followed him around from 7 a.m. when he showed up on campus till 10 p.m. when he left that night. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'd been around him enough and, and, a, and a lot enough to, to be able to have some familiarity. So um, when that time came, when I got that phone call that I made the team, I was like, man, it, he's going to be pulling a joke on me. You know, like he's, he's got to be pulling a prank. I mean, there's yeah. no better target than the student newspaper reporter who had been around for the last few years. Um, it just, it made too much sense, you know, that I was going to be the butt end of his latest joke. So I was fully expecting him to pull the rug out from under me when I ran into him at the football building later that day. And he was like, no, I'm serious. You can catch the ball. You can run fast. You're in like, let's go get, get your, <laughs> get your pads, get your helmet and get the playbook, get, get going. So um, it was crazy. It went from uh, something that I was just writing an article about um, to all of a sudden reality that I could have never even pictured. It just, it was beyond any dream. You know, I just could have never imagined something like that. Mm-hmm. So was it a no brainer whenever you got that, uh, that call for sure? Like I'm, I'm on the team or do you have to think about it? Because what people don't understand it, it's a, it's a big commitment, you know? It's, oh it's, yeah. It's a tremendous I mean, it's, commitment. So it's, it's not, 
all the college life, you know, that kind of goes out the door. It's, it's like full focus, all football. Yeah. So. It's a full-time job. I mean, you're, you're eight hours a day doing football stuff. And so, but it was just such a, a crazy opportunity that it, it just never even crossed my mind that I couldn't do it. You know, it was mm-hmm. like, I just, I had to do it. And so, um, yeah. And I mean, the only like logistics of it were that like I was graduating and to be on the football team, you need to be a student. And so I needed to figure out what I need. Was I going to pick up another major or go to grad school? So I, I enrolled in grad school and um, yeah, so it was just, it, the logistics of it, it all fell into place. It was more just like, this is the crazy opportunity, opportunity in my life. Like I can't pass this up. There's no yeah. way. Yeah. Well, that, that's a better, uh, that's a better opportunity than, than failing your classes just going to grad school. So <laughs> exactly. um, Anyway, so you have an opportunity to be on the team. So you dive into that. One of the things that I think in your story, you talked about it, but more so just kind of bringing it out is that it takes like daily discipline. Like you actually really dove in to playing on the team, just like you dove into the journalism side of things. And it takes an extreme amount of discipline to be in there every single day, to be lifting with the guys. You talked about gaining weight, just being in the weight room. Um, talk about that experience from just like your daily discipline and your perspective as you dove into that. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was such a cool opportunity that I wanted to make the most of it. Um, there's a quote from the, the legendary runner, Steve Prefontaine, is to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Yeah. And so I had this amazing gift. And so why would I want to give anything less, you know? And mm-hmm. um, it, I definitely had this, this inner motivation, this inner purpose that was kind of fueling this fire. And I mean, it was, it was the greatest gift of a lifetime. And so why would I want to waste it, you know? And so I wanted to just squeeze everything I possibly could out of it. And a lot of, it was a lot of hard work, you know, and it wasn't fun all the time by any means. Yeah. And went through a lot of injuries and um, faced a lot of challenges and everything, but um, it, it just, it made, it just didn't even cross my mind. Like, why would I want to cut corners with something like this? Especially it was such a short-term opportunity. It was less than a year. Mm-hmm. I only had that one season to play. So um, I really just wanted to pour myself into it and get as much out of it as I could and see where it would go. And uh, I'm so thankful that I did. Yeah. And for you being on the team, what was it like to be actually in the locker room with the guys uh, underneath, like the coaches actually getting to be coached by them instead of just being uh, you know, yeah. a guy out in the stands and watching? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was very surreal because I mean, I had looked up to these coaches and these players for all those years of covering the team. And I mean, Pete Carroll was the head coach and um, there was an incredible collection of assistant coaches like Steve Sarkeesian, Lane Kiffin, Ken Norton Jr. These guys who are legends in their own right, you know, they're, they're well, well known across the country. And, um, and so it was, it was just really cool. And I mean, I, I hadn't been a part of a team since being in high school and, and being on a cross country team. And it's not quite the same. Like you, you're not really getting coached, you know, <laughs> like yeah, you, yeah. they're just telling you, go run, go run some sprints, you know, whereas here they're, they're really coaching you and getting into technique and, and all that. So um, it was uh, a really, really special experience going through that and just being a part of something bigger than yourself. Um, it, it's a, it's a really unique experience. Mm-hmm. And what about, you know, the culture you got to be at USC and then obviously with Seattle Seahawks, but what was the culture like um, and how did they go about kind of de- building that and developing it and, and maintaining that for a long time? Cause they did that at USC for a long time and obviously still in Seattle today. Yeah. Yeah. P- Pete Carroll does an incredible job building culture. He's, he's like the ultimate culture creator. Um, and I think it starts with just creating a place of belonging where, 
no matter whether you're someone like me who just joined the team after not really trying to join the team to the, the Heisman Trophy winner on the team, um, such a wide spectrum of people and different backgrounds and everything, but he's created this incredible like culture of belonging. And um, it's just, it's, it's just like really, yeah, really, really special, you know, and, and yeah. then going from there, um, he just does a, a really great job of um, kind of creating an identity, you know, that everyone kind of gets behind. Um, and, and that's, that solidifies that belonging, solidifies that culture. And, uh, it, it just, you jumped in and you're in this like rushing river that's all going in the same direction. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's really special. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, face really important to you. Now, when did that kind of come about and then how did it affect you in college and beyond? Yeah. I mean, I grew up going to church as a kid, but, um, I don't think it really, uh, sunk in until I got to college, um, I was definitely like around faith and religion growing up and everything. Um, and I knew a lot about God, but I didn't really get to know God personally until I got to college. And uh, it was uh, definitely um, my life changed in that moment because you can look at, at faith and religion and God as like an academic pursuit, or you can look at it as a relationship. And that's when it really changed for me. And so college, we're uh, just pressing into that. Um, throughout college and it really gave me a sense of purpose you know and, and I I had I had this incredible purpose through everything I did in college because I knew that that I was called you know and that I had a, a reason to be there and um, this relationship that, that God that I was in with God it, it was guiding me and directing me and, and putting me in certain situations um, like the football team you know and so when I when I made the team, um, I had this sense that I was there for a reason, you know, and I had a purpose of being on that team and uh, was really pressing into that throughout, you know, and, and was really excited to see kind of what God had for me on that team. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about purpose and being on there for a reason and having a sense of purpose with the team. What are the things that you try to do, um, you know, because you're not trying to do it just in people's faces, but just to carry yourself in a way that that shows kind of your faith and, and the way you handle yourself in the right way. And then I obviously I want to touch on the story about, you know, you wanted to start a Bible study and not really going the way you wanted it to being a little bit discouraged. And then also um, having it on your heart to, to get guys Bibles at Christmas, because that's a, another amazing story that kind of, you can, you can hear it and you're, you can sense like discouragement a little bit, but at the same time, like you see the purpose looking backwards a little bit, it takes a little time to have that perspective, but in the moment, I'm sure it was not, not all that, that great to, to be in the moment at. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to kind of touch on your first question, um, it, there's a verse in Matthew 5, it says, let, let your light shine before men. And um, I think when we live with that light, you know, that light that's inside of us, um, people notice that and that light looks like love, it looks like joy, it looks like peace, um, things that are fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so um, just just wanting that to be uh, kind of the, the identity of my life and the, the mark of my life. Um, and, and that's what we're all called to as we follow Jesus. Um, it's, and we don't have to go manufacture it. We don't have to go try to conjure something up, but, um, when we surrender our lives to God, he, he puts his spirit inside of us and, and that's what happens. And so, um, that, that kind of fuels that purpose. And, um, yeah, the, the, the story from there of, of being on the team and seeking out my purpose and, and starting a Bible study that, that no one showed up to starting a prayer group that no one showed up to. Um, it was discouraging and frustrating, um, but then I had an idea, I'll, I'll get Bibles for all, for all of my teammates, 
Um, there's a verse in Isaiah chapter 55. It says, if his word goes out, it will not return empty. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put his word out there, put God's word out and, and it won't return empty. And, and so I was excited to see what was going to happen. And my grandfather was a, a big advocate and big fan of me um, and all these spiritual pursuits. And he sent over a hundred Bibles and uh, I placed one in every single one of my teammates lockers middle of the night. Didn't, didn't want anyone to know that it was me. So um, yeah, so the time comes the next morning and I walk into the locker room and the Bibles are just ripped up, shredded all over the floor. Um, and so it was, I went in with the highest of hopes, you know, I was ex expecting God's word to not return empty, you know, like it, like yeah. the, the Bible says, yeah. and, uh, it sure looked like it was returning empty, you know, the, the pages are ripped up, shredded everywhere and go through the rest of that week and just discouraged, kind of weighed down by defeat. And, uh, it was, it was hard. And then a few days after our last game, uh, we played in the Rose bowl that year. And a few days later, I get a phone call from a teammate saying, Hey, did you hear, did you hear that Mario died? And Mario was our kicker on the team. One was, was one of my closest friends on the team, incredible person, incredible teammate. Um, and he had mysteriously died just a few days after our last game. He was 21 years old, um, had an incredibly bright future, both in football and just in life. And um, it was devastating. And so we go to his funeral a few days later and uh, his casket passes by. And as it's going down the aisle, I look up. And on top of the casket was the Bible that I'd put in his locker, the exact same Bible. Hmm. And I had no idea what it meant at the time, but it just felt like it was God's comforting touch for me. Um, just kind of giving me a hug, you know, like everything's gonna be okay. And uh, I ended up working uh, for the football team there at USC for the next couple of years. And then Pete Carroll took the job with the Seahawks in 2010, asked me to move up to Seattle to work for him up there. And I moved up to Seattle, not knowing anyone other than him and, uh, just was looking for things to get involved in just to fill my time uh, wisely and, and, and intentionally and heard about Young Life. Um, I had never heard of Young Life before and um, it's a high school mentorship program, kind of faith-based um, mentorship program for high school students. And mm -hmm. I show up at this uh, Young Life informational meeting for potential leaders and a former teammate of mine walks in the door and just kind of like, what the heck are you doing here? You know, his name was Taylor. He was our, our punter on the team. And I hadn't seen him since Mario's funeral, you know, it was like four years earlier. And I didn't know that he lived in Seattle. He didn't know that I lived in Seattle. It was just like the craziest reuniting moment, you know, and, yeah. and so we step outside of the the meeting there and um, just kind of catching up. And he's like, dude, it's so cool to see you. And, and it's even better because I can't wait to tell you what's happened in my life the last few years. And I was like, well, what happened? And he's like, my life has totally turned around. Um, and I was like, well, tell me what, like what, what triggered that? And he's like, well, do you remember the last week we were on the team together? There were Bibles in all of our lockers. And I mean, I was like, so I was so taken aback. I hadn't thought about those Bibles in years. And so I, I kind of, I just, uh, my, my heart dropped and I, my instinct was just to play dumb. So I was like, yeah, I kind of <laughs> remember those, you know, like not, not really sure where he was going with this. And, so Taylor proceeds to tell me that he grew up going to church, grew up on a youth group, but went to college and just decided that he was done with faith, done with religion and wanted to live life on his own terms. So he uh, just was doing that for many years during college. And he saw a Bible in his locker um, that last week of his senior season and threw his in the garbage that day. He's like, I don't need this, you know? And so he's, he's saying that he was going out to the practice field that morning thought he was the last one in the locker room and he was pushing the door to go out to the practice field. And he hears a voice in the back corner of the locker room. Well, what is this? 
So he's confused. He thought, he thought he's the last one in there. He turns around and there's Mario, our kicker, sitting in his locker, thumbing through the Bible, going, what is this? So Taylor being our, our punter and Mario being our kicker, they were best of friends. And uh, Taylor screams across the locker room, Mario, come on, man, let's get to practice. And Mario's like, no, like, what is this? What am I supposed to do with this thing? Taylor's like, Mario, it's a Bible. Let's go. Let's get to practice. And Mario's like, no, no, no. Like, what? Seriously, like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? So Taylor said that for some reason he felt this nudge on his heart to go and sit down next to Mario. And he said for the next 45 minutes, all these words were coming out of his mouth that he had no idea, you know, like yeah. he was sharing the gospel. He was sharing about God. He was sharing about Jesus, walking Mario through the Bible. So, I mean, Taylor himself hadn't been to church in years. He hadn't picked up a Bible himself in years, but all those seeds that were planted in his life as a kid in going to church and going to youth group and everything, they came out bearing fruit in those moments. And uh, Taylor said for the rest, rest of that week, Mario couldn't put the Bible down. He just, mm. he was absorbing it. Every spare moment he had, every bus ride, every few minutes between meetings and practice, whatever, Mario couldn't put it down. And a few days after picking up a Bible for the first time in his life, just a few days before he would end up passing away, Mario started a relationship with God. And uh, Taylor had a front row seat to that. And Taylor gets the same phone call I did a few days later um when mario passed away and and in that moment obviously he was overcome by grief that his best friend had passed away but but also overcome by the power and the love of god that god would reach mario and, and change his life for eternity in his final days on earth through a random bible that was in his locker and so in that moment taylor recognized what god was up to and, and recommitted his life to christ and Man. and promised to to follow god for the rest of his days and so he's telling me this four years later. And he's like, yeah, that's why I'm volunteering with young life. Cause I want to tell more people about this God. And, and I'm like, Taylor, that's the craziest story I ever heard. And it's even crazier because I was the one that put the Bible in the locker. And for all these years, I thought I was a total failure. And I mean, we lost it. You know, I, I just, I was tearing up and we gave each other a hug and yeah. it just, it's the craziest story of all time. And um, I, for all those years, I, I thought everything I had done was a total failure, but but God was at work and, and I, he did have a purpose for me from, from day one, even when I couldn't see it in the moment. And, um, and that's, I think that's what God wants to do with all of us. You know, God, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. It's just that 99.9% .9 of the time we don't see it, you know, and, and yeah. especially in the moment. And so, um, yeah, I just hope that that story encourages you, um, uh, encourage the people listening because I mean, think Bailey, like you're, you're putting these podcasts out most of the time you don't hear how they're impacting people, you know? And with the people that are absorbing these things, they're, they're, people are being impacted, you know, and people are going out and sharing the things that they learn on these podcasts and, and the ripple effects um, of, of the truths that we hear are incredible. And so I just hope uh, you and the people listening today are encouraged that you do have a purpose, even if you can't see it right now. Um, I mean, it's like the farmer, you know, he plants seeds and uh, it takes a long time for stuff to come out and, uh, and to bear fruit. So, yeah. Yeah, no, what a powerful story. And it, and it so much is, it's just, it's putting those seeds in the ground and you don't know when it's going to happen. And typically it's always looking back that you kind of fully see it. And it, who knows if it's 10, 10 months, four years, whatever it is, yeah, like yep. it's always looking backwards sometimes. But when you have those experiences and you step out in faith and you trust God, like you had done in those experiences, when those things happen, it, it kind of gives you confidence. It's just like preparation on any athletic team. Once you prepare, you have that confidence to go in the game like you're fully prepared, but also when you go through these experiences, you have that confidence to see how God's worked to give you faith to move forward and go trust in him every single time.
Yeah. And that's one yeah. of the big things I wanted to ask you is there's so many little stories in the book that talk about just steps where you, you took a le- little leap of faith, you know, whether it was big or little, you had some courage, you trusted God with whatever you felt called to do. But how does someone develop courage to step into something? In the book, you talked about courage is, is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to act in spite of your fears. Yeah. How does someone yeah. develop that? Uh, practice makes perfect. I think we just <laughs> need to find those little little things each day. Um, and we're not going to jump 100 miles today, you know. And so um, it's those little moments each day where it's like putting yourself in position to like really press into something hard, something, something that you're, that you're normally afraid of or something that takes a little courage. Um, and I mean, it's something as small as like saying hi to the checkout person at the grocery store, you know, like asking them like how their day was, yeah. you know, like sometimes that can be really uncomfortable, you know? Um, but those little things, you, you build that courage muscle over time. And it's not like you have to go out on the street corner and, and share the gospel with every person that passes by, you know, it's just putting yourself out just like a tiny little baby step every day with, your family members, your coworkers, your friends, and just, just loving people, you know, that's really what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and trust and know that your courage muscles growing every day. Um, and so it, it just, it takes a long time sometimes, you know, and, and, yeah. and we're all growing in it the rest of our lives. And that's the beautiful journey that we're on. Yeah. And there's so many little things where for you, when you stepped out, you just went and introduced yourself to coach Carol obviously then you, you know, put all the Bibles out, you're doing all these little things and over time it builds. And so as we wind down real quick, um, is there a certain piece of best advice you've ever received? Oh man, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I, uh, I I don't know if this qualifies as advice, but um, when I was younger, uh, I just remember going to a Q and a session with um, like a, church leader like pastor type person and he was at our summer camp and um he, he was like what someone was like what's your favorite bible verse you know and he said um matthew 6 33 seek first the kingdom of god and everything else will be added unto you and um i think that's that's how like if i had to pick one piece of advice for anyone i think that's it you know seek seek god first and everything else falls into place yeah. Um, and that's, it's just a, a beautiful way to live life. And um, it's, it's way better than trying to do it on our own. Yeah. That's pretty good advice. So uh, <laughs> this podcast is called building excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? Uh, I think it's just getting a little bit better each day. And, um, and I think if you can get 1% better every day um, that adds up over time, it's that compound interest um, type of effect. Um, and a lot of times I think it's, like we want to see results. I mean, that's why this story is so powerful is that we don't see results right away. Um, so I'm thinking of like, like physical activity, you know, you, you go work out, you go for a run and you don't see results right away. You know, you don't lose weight right away or you don't, you don't pick up your mile pace that quickly. Um, but like you look back months later and you're like, Holy cow, I'm like, I'm in way better shape than I was then, you know, and same thing applies to our spiritual health um, relational health. Like we don't like these little deposits that you meet, make each day. A lot of times you don't see, you know, it's like that compound interest thing. It's like you, you gain 1% in your bank account every day. Oh man, I only gained a few dollars today, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but after a year, it's like, Holy cow, that's so much, so much growth. So, mm-hmm. um, I think just, just try to do a little bit better each day and, and just trust and know that, that great things are coming. 
Yeah, we wish it was a lot quicker. It's just not really how that works. So. I know, I know. It's like if you, I heard a quote recently. It's like if you want to grow, go slow, because um, we just want that quick fix, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the quick fix is nice quickly, but then a week from now or a month from now, it's like we've forgotten about it and we've moved on to some other quick fix, you know. But yeah, to really dive in and and really pursue that like true like character deep-rooted change and growth like that that's building excellence and that's something that we can be proud about when we're 50 60 70 years old you know looking back and and really seeing the the ripple effects of our lives like that's that's building excellence right there yeah absolutely that's so that's so good uh ben thanks so much for being on the show you know uh you've written your book it's right here if people are watching it it's an awesome book it kind of talks about your story in depth from your faith to playing to you know high school all the way up to with the Seattle Seahawks and winning the Super Bowl and having the experience to be um, doing all that stuff and so definitely check that out but more importantly you know thanks for writing the book thanks for uh, speaking and doing all the things you do help volunteering you know like making a difference in so many people's lives and just like you know you talked about the podcast I picked this book up just randomly and, and read it and loved it it's one of my favorites so I'm a pretty big reader so I love um, it it was a fantastic book and just a great story, but just what you talked about on that best advice, you know, just trusting God and, and really acting on that. I think that's a big thing too. It's great to trust, but man, when you act, um, eventually you'll see God work, uh, even when you don't know it. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Really appreciate it. If someone wanted to kind of follow you or, or learn more about your book, it's coming into a movie, right? Yeah. They're working on a movie. Um, so it's exciting. It's a long, slow process, but it's, it's in process and, uh, excited to see that come to fruition and then uh yeah i'm, I'm, I'm available uh website benalgamson.com and all social media just benalgamson and would love to be in touch with anyone listening out there awesome ben thanks so much for being on the show really appreciate it thanks bailey keep up the good work hey everyone it's bailey miles thanks again so much for tuning in we hope you found value in the show and if you enjoyed it we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend subscribing on apple or spotify podcast writing a quick review or leaving a five-star rating When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.